the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to our show on this beautiful Saturday. Well, kind of warm. <laughs> Saturday, June 3rd, 2023. Welcome to the show, my friends. We've got a good one for you, as usual. Uh, first of all, though, let me begin by telling you, giving thanks to everyone that has wished me well uh, during the month of May. I, uh, I've got to admit this was a, kind of a rough month because I had uh, some surgery. It was minor surgery, uh, but still it was surgery that occurred on uh, uh, May 9th, and uh, it uh, kind of caused, it kind of threw me for a loop. It um, uh, it, it, it caused me uh, a few problems. Uh, mostly, the big one was that um, during the operation, because I was uh, laying flat and they uh, were working on me, uh, my sciatica got aggravated. My uh, I, I had uh, I suffer a little bit, or I suffered a little bit from sciatica, but it got worse. And during the whole month, I have been going through rehab, and it's been tough. It's been very, very tough because sciatica doesn't allow me to sit down very long, and uh, therefore I couldn't uh, write, I couldn't report. Uh, also, walking around was, was difficult. But I am very, very happy to tell you all that um, all of that is in the past. Uh, I am moving around a whole lot better. Therapy is working. Uh, everything is working. I am moving around. So thank you very, very much for all of you that uh, that sent your prayers and good thoughts to me uh, on the um, on Facebook and social media and called me, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you very, very much. All right. So let me tell you who our guests are, and then we're going to launch into it. One of the things that has been occurring the past a couple of weeks, and it's been difficult for me, but I've made to made it to uh, to a couple of these uh, big events. Is uh, throughout South Texas, there have been meetings, town hall meetings, in counties away from the border, counties that are not at the border, where they have been gathering because they are being impacted on. It is like a tsunami, my friends. The immigration issue, the border crisis, is definitely like a tsunami that impacts, that hits the uh, beach right at the border, and then it it cascades into the rest of the counties. Uh, lots of these counties are being impacted by car chases, by fentanyl, uh, distribution by uh, human smuggling, uh, by the drug smuggling themselves the, itself, by gun smuggling, all of this stuff is impacting on the small community, on these small counties, and they are small rural counties, my friends. These counties don't have the resources that a major county has or that a major community like New York City has. And you have heard the New York City mayor screaming and yelling to high heaven because he can't handle a few thousand illegal aliens that are uh, coming into his community. Well, my friends, imagine a small county, a small rural community the impact that these folks have in those communities. It is it can be devastating. It is awful. These, these folks are not only have to be uh, housed uh, in, in, in uh, apartments, but also in jails. 
they are taken care of uh, with, with medical resources. They are uh, taken care of uh, with uh, all sorts of other uh, social services that are given to them, uh, albeit in many cases uh, temporarily. However, many of them do stay long uh, for, for uh, extended periods. And uh, it, is ex- it is really, really wreaking havoc on these small towns. Uh, there is one community, uh, Falfurias County, Falfurias, Texas, uh, just south of San Antonio, which has historically had a problem with, um, it, is, it is a very large county, and there are some very empty spaces uh, between the uh, border and the first uh, uh, border patrol stop. And what has happened in the past is that smugglers will drop people off and then give them a map, send them through the uh, through the uh, bushes, and many of these people, my friends, don't make it. Many of them don't make it. The city of Falfurias and the county uh, have uh, suffered so many of these tragedies that they have had a hard time burying people, and these people are not carrying proper. Uh, uh, ID, so uh, they don't know who they are. I mean, there's no claim uh, by a next of kin uh, to pay for the burial or to accept the body and pay for the embalming, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the county uh, and the community ends up uh, ends up uh, flipping the bill. Then there are the many, many times that a uh, that a, a uh, person or an individual is uh, arrested, held, and the jails are too small. They're, they're, they don't know how to how to hold them, and the tsunami of people and illegal immigration and drugs and everything continues to come across, my friends. So these counties have been meeting lately to discuss what can be done. And you know what the main issue, the main uh, uh, conclusion that everybody comes to? That the federal government is failing them. Oh, can you imagine? Yes, they all come to that conclusion that the Biden administration is failing them. You know, it's also very, very interesting that a large majority, a majority of these counties are are Democrat run. South Texas has historically been dominated by the Democratic Party. And I, I, you know, I am fascinated as to what are these Democrats in South Texas going to do this coming election? This coming national election, congressmen, mayors, et cetera, et cetera. What are they doing to address this problem? I mean, you've got Congressman Cuellar, uh, Henry Cuellar, the Democrat from Laredo, who uh, is uh, is declaring himself a, a moderate Democrat, a conservative Democrat, and is trying to do everything to pretend that he does not, uh, that he is doing everything he can to uh to address this tsunami in his hometown, in his home county and hometown of Laredo. But the fact of the matter is, my friends, that uh, Laredo is being swamped as well. It, it is being swamped. It is just like any other border community that is being swamped. So it, it's very, 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 been very, very, we've got, uh, we're going to report on that. Uh, we've got a couple of, of folks that are going to be talking to you about that issue. Uh, Jose Salazar, first of all, is going to be the first, uh, our first guest. Jose Salazar is a, um, a conservative activist. Uh, he's been a Republican official, and, uh, a party official in, in Webb County in Laredo. And he's going to be talking to us uh, about what the, uh, the uh, Webb County Laredo City Council is up to in trying to help the uh, Border Patrol uh, do their job a little bit better and the opposition they are facing. Uh, Then we've got my good friend, my very good friend, Mr. Rodney Scott, who is the former Border Patrol chief, national chief. Uh, He was the national director for the Border Patrol. He's going to be chatting to us about uh, what he has seen uh, in in, uh, the uh, past few uh, days uh, related to the uh, removal of Chapter 42, of Title 42, uh, what he um, anticipated and what he is say, seeing at this point. Then we have our final guest, uh, Miss Irene Armendariz Jackson, who is also another community uh, leader in El Paso. 
she is also a former uh, uh, Republican official. She ran for Congress in uh, uh, El Paso as a Republican. Uh, she's going to be giving us a, a report of what is happening in her home, hometown uh, since the removal of Title 42, my friends. It's very, very disturbing. So, without further ado, let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. Jose Salazar from Laredo, Texas, a good uh, conservative activist down in uh, Laredo. And I wanted to reach out to him because recently uh, he made us aware of uh, of an agreement that was being considered between the city of Laredo and the Border Patrol uh, to um, pave a street uh, along the uh, the border, uh, which, in my opinion, would help the Border Patrol to protect the the, um, uh, the the border. But apparently, there was some opposition to it, and we have seen this kind of opposition in other border communities, like in in uh, El Paso and uh, even San Diego and then Yuma, and in various other communities where. The left has uh, just not wanted anything to do with the Border Patrol, but in the process, uh, they are leaving our country vulnerable. So, uh, Jose, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. Welcome to the show, as usual. Uh, tell us tell us about this agreement. What happened? Uh, what has happened since? Well, George, thank you for having me on, first of all. Um, th- th- there was a, 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 an item on the agenda for city council here in Laredo, Texas, and for May 18th, and this was an agreement that they wanted to enter between the city manager and a representative for Border Patrol to, uh, to in, in, in this case, to maintain roads, to enter into an agreement to discuss and, uh, uh, and also maintain roads that run along the river. Now, being that Title 42 is now gone, uh, uh, this was as a, going to be used as a precaution so that they could patrol a little bit easier. The, the, the rest of the road is 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 on lands of of, uh, of prop, uh, private property owners, so they also are going to deal with those other people. But for the city of Laredo, George, they were going to maintain about six point five miles, three miles that is already three miles that is already a, an all-weather road, and then the other 3.5 miles or so was going to be turned into an all-weather road. So they're going to maintain it, they're going to repair it, they're going to patrol it, and of course uh, uh, they were going to pay the city of Laredo also $39 million. You would think that, we, that the city of Laredo would be happy to jump on it, the entire city, but we had uh, opposition from the No Border Wall Coalition, and even though it's not a border wall, but they had opposition from them and members of the Democratic Party, and that's and we they that that day they clashed with Web County Republicans also. Now the uh, tell us a little bit about this no border wall coalition in uh, in Laredo. Who are they? Where do they come from? Well, it's 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 uh, mostly local people, and they're they. they they're like their stance is like to be uh, environmentalists who protect the the River Vega, uh, the, the 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 natural uh, uh, vegetation, and uh, uh, and of course any uh, wildlife that is that is in in this area, and therefore they say that we they don't want to lose a single tree, a single uh, uh, you know uh, an area for monarch butterflies. They 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 are concerned about about erosion. Which I, you know, I agree. I, I, I'm in favor of all that, but I think what they do, George, just like, like with a lo- all left wing uh, organizations, is whatever they say they're for is not really what they're for. I think I think they're just open borders radicals. That's what they are. They're just open borders radicals. They don't like border patrol. They want people to come across freely. And uh, for whatever reason, political reasons, more than likely, and and that's that's why I think they didn't want to yield one inch to to the border patrol. So if if they entered into the into that agreement with the city, I think they're concerned that they might enter into an agreement for the wall. Now, what's very very interesting because I have been to sections of the border uh, where people have left trash and uh, yes. discarded 
everything from children to pets to trash. Uh, is this group, uh, do they oppose or say anything about that uh, environmental impact? Of course not, George. Of course not. What they, they 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 don't say a thing about about what the illegals left. They don't ever say a thing about what illegals could be doing. They're all good. It's 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 if they, you know they'll they want to leave everything exposed because of environmental reasons. But they're they're never going to blame illegal immigrants for anything that they do that that destroys or litters the River Vega. They're never going to do that. Wow. So what has happened since then? Do you, do you think this uh, agreement is going to proceed or have they, have they stopped it effectively? I think, George, you know, being, being present at that time where we made public comments, their side and our side, um, it, it boiled down to this. They were concerned about trees, erosion and monarch butterflies, whereas on our side, we talked about saving and protecting the lives of women on both sides of the river making saving the lives of of immigrants by not opening like uh, throwing out a red carpet for them uh keeping down fentanyl and other drugs from coming across the border uh also uh, uh keeping women safe from being raped when you put those two cases together, George, the argument was on our side, clearly on our side. Now, on their side, you, you, some of the rhetoric was, well, the butterflies, the trees, the erosion, but you also have those people who come in and talk about people of color. And, and, and once you hear the, 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 that dog whistle, you know that they're talking about racism. And one of them uh, outright accused the, the, the Border Patrol of being more murderous uh, uh, than the illegal immigrants and called them narcissistic men men who just uh, are in their drugs oh guns and and look at my tactical this and look at my tactical that and and i mean they they don't really like border patrol and they have a very racist view of what uh, of what the u.s is oh my gosh george it got to the point where one got so heated one of their members got so heated from the no border wall coalition that he had to be escorted out by police Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! You know they they do the the leftists get so emotional because that's really, in my opinion, all they really have in the end. So yes, uh, yes, and it's going to be very close, George. It's going to be. I, I I saw a couple of of council members speak on behalf because they they know, and including a former council member came forth and said, "Remember what this used to be before." We took away a lot of the, uh, the Carrizo cane from there, and 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 put more border patrol. And they're, they're afraid that they're going their roads are going to be taken from them, and that they're not going to have access to the river. I ride my bike. I've ridden my bike several times. I used to do it on a daily basis. I used to ride past Border Patrol and just wave to them. They never told me, don't go there. They never told me, uh, questioned me about where I was going. They always waved back, and, and, and they let us proceed riding our bikes and or walking or jogging or whatever it is that, that may be. And that was one of the things that they said, and that was one of their sticking points. Where there's a little item that says that, that whenever they, they, they have, they, they're going to need to, to uh, either repair the road, maintain the road, or there's a crime scene that they're going to take away the road from us. Well, isn't don't they always take the road from us when they're repairing it? Don't they always take the road from us when they're constructing something new? Don't they always th th tell people not to go down a certain street if there's a crime scene? It always happens. Yep. But, you know, of course, they're going to hang on to whatever they can. Yeah, exactly. Uh, real quick before we, we let you go, what um, since the uh, removal of Title 42, uh, what has been the impact on Laredo? Because hear, we hear a lot about El Paso, we hear a lot about Del Rio and Eagle Pass, but what, um, what about uh, Laredo? What's been going on there? Laredo, is, 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 we have had only the illegal immigrant uh, uh, group that have been going on. That is one of the things the city council members mentioned, that there's a lot that goes on that doesn't make the paper nor the news. We continue to have that. We haven't had the influx of uh, people asking for asylum. Ah. It's more been 
on the side of illegal immigration and and the crossing of narcotics ah. there's been a lot of fentanyl and that's one of the things that we used in our arguments articles that are local about all this fentanyl going by all this marijuana going by amphetamines going by uh, 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 meth going by uh, across the border and stash house after stash house after stash house so we haven't seen the asylum numbers we only see the illegal immigration and the drug numbers coming up wow. and of course and of course now uh, may 31st that's going to be tomorrow in fact at 11 a.m there's going to be a city council meeting 11 a.m okay 11 a.m they're going to have a city council meeting to have the vote it was postponed george uh because one of the members who was against the the deal said that uh again she was concerned about about this, some of the discussion things that think, which included the the loss of the road, and she wanted to table it for another day. And unfortunately, it was allowed to be tabled. And uh, now we're going to go back on the uh, tomorrow, the thirty first at eleven a.m. And there's not going to be any public comments anymore. Supposedly, it's only going to be uh, people. They're only going to have their vote. That's it, huh? And that's it. Wow. Yes. Well, Jose, we will be watching that, and we will let the audience know the result of it. But uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. i got to come down to uh, to my hometown and, and say hello to everybody sometime soon. Sure thing. You know, whenever you're in town, just give me, a, give me a ring. You got it. Take care, my friends. Once again, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Jose Salazar from Laredo, good conservative activist down in Laredo. Thank you, Jose. Thank you. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got uh, my good friend, Mr. Rodney Scott, former Border Patrol uh, chief uh, director, national director, and uh, now a, um, a fellow with the uh, Texas Public Policy Foundation. And uh, I wanted to get him on and just uh, ask him that uh, since the recent... Uh, ending of Title 42. What are his observations? Uh, Rodney, thank you very much, as usual, for taking time to be with us. Um, talk to us again. Tell us, um, what are your observations? What are you seeing uh, as a result uh, of the end of, uh, since the termination of uh, Title 42? Sure. Thanks for having me on once again. And uh, I think everybody was watching as Title 40, the expiration of Title 42 uh, approached there's all kinds of predictions. Uh, what a lot of people didn't predict, including myself, was that the confusion would result in a significant increase in crossings just before Title 42 expired. So the week before, uh, illegal encounters spiked at like, I think, between 10 and 11,000 on average a day. Uh, that's, that's significantly overwhelmed with Border Patrol. And then the gotaways were. We're, uh, we're really off the charts since Title 42 has expired and the other piece is the administration uh, talks a lot about this asylum ban or transit ban if you will, basically if you travel through another safe country and did not try to claim asylum uh, we're going to supposedly uh, refuse your, your claim here Anyway, I think that's had a chilling effect. So right now, my sources are telling me they're averaging about 34 to 3,500 uh, arrests a day, encounters a day along the southwest border. I want to make sure that listeners understand, though, that that still far exceeds anything the Border Patrol can effectively manage and still maintain situational awareness along the entire border. So this is still giving the cartels uh, the complete upper hand along the southwest border. But it has been a decrease. The, the catch to this is, you know, the rhetoric of the administration doesn't really match the actions. So I anticipate that this massive numbers are going to continue and or even increase again as people realize the administration is still doing catch and release. So they've gotten a lot of people to go to the port of entry now. They're kind of masking uh, that, if you will, the illegal entrance there through through the CBP-1 app and these parole processes that are questionably, you know, whether legal or not. But uh, but there are quite a few going through the ports of entry. That's exceed that's extending the wait times though for legitimate trade and travel. And then again, uh, border patrol is still dealing with about thirty four, thirty five hundred a day. Um, but uh, my sources still tell me there's a lot of uh, what they call release on their own recognizances. They get set up for an NTA and they get released. So all they know is they got caught, they got released, they call home and tell everybody that 
hey, what we heard isn't true. We still got released. So I anticipate as long as that goes on, we're going to continue to have a major problem. Now, you know, 35, 3,400 a day, um, that works out to uh, over 100,000 uh, in a month. Uh, that's a huge yeah, we're still number. That's a very, huge very, number. Very, very yeah, very, very significant numbers. But it's almost, I hate to say it, it's almost like the gas prices. You know, the, the gas prices went through the roof, and then all of a sudden when they dropped back to about double what they used to be or triple, but half of what they they were last week, people are happy. Yeah. So people have gotten used to these eight to 10,000 a day numbers, and all of a sudden they're acting like 3,000 to, you know, 3,500 is good. I'm like, no, this is not good. We're still giving the cartel complete control of the border. And there's massive numbers of gotaways because of this. Um, this is not the time to take the eye off the ball. You know, we, we need to hold the administration accountable. Uh, they're, they're still doing catch and release. And as long as they do catch and release, we're, still gonna, we're not going to have control of the southwest border. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, I have um, I went to a meeting down in Cotula, Texas, uh, last week and on the way down I saw a um, a car chase and on the way back I saw another car chase and then yesterday apparently there was a um, an individual who was being chased and um, when uh, she got uh, or he got caught uh, he chose to commit suicide I mean it's uh, it, it is really really uh, a, a uh, a, a chaos that we've got down here. Yeah, it, it's horrific, and people are, are missing that. Mainstream media is not covering it. I, Correct. I sat through a briefing with Texas DPS recently, and they said they're getting three to four high-speed vehicle pursuits a day just in Texas. That's nothing to do with New Mexico, you know, Arizona, or, or California. Um, and those, everybody needs to understand, those are the people that paid more to get away. Yes. So those aren't the ones you're seeing on the news that are lined up waiting to, to try to do this fraudulent asylum. These are the ones that know or suspect we have information on them in some way, shape, or form, and they're willing to pay more to avoid law enforcement. That is a significant threat to this country. It really, it truly is, you know. Not to mention the the public safety that uh, that it, uh, it, it that happens to uh, innocent uh, drivers. Now, another thing that I was reading this morning that came that uh, uh, I found was uh, that apparently uh, there has been also a spike in the number of children coming across. We've seen some some pictures of uh, of a child being d- thrown over a um, a fence recently, as well as. Uh, uh, other children that have been um, abandoned by the by the river. Uh, what is any idea what that's due to? This administration, shortly after they took over, basically put out a message globally that any kid that crosses the border alone is not going to be returned to their own country, with a minor exclusion of Mexico. They get turned returned very quickly. Um, so that, that that ebbs and flows, uh, but this unaccompanied minors being handed off to the cartels and smuggled across is a continuing problem and the numbers again there uh, because they're not backed up in border patrol stations you don't have the visual uh, they're not getting as much media attention but that is still a huge huge issue uh, and, and there's all kinds of threats ingrained in that whether it be work trafficking like labor trafficking or sex trafficking um, it's, it's just a mess but the thing I do want to point out to your to your listeners as well when you see those videos of young children being dropped over the border wall or over the border fence, they're usually within a mile or two miles of that, especially because the Biden administration shut off the, the construction. There's usually gaping holes in that wall. And the smugglers know where all the cameras are. When they're dropping kids over the wall like that in the plain view of a camera, it's to in- intentionally pull in the border patrol agents and law enforcement because they're going to respond to that kid. It's to create a gap somewhere else. Got That's it. why they're doing that. And then that the agents respond in to, you know, and a lot of times the kids will get hurt dropping off that 30-foot wall, even the 18-foot. That respond, Then medical responds. It draws everybody attention, everyone's attention there. That creates gaps in border security, other places where they can smuggle in the people that are willing to pay extra or the narcotics. It's just, it's a distraction. And they're putting kids' lives at risk just to make money. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we let you go. The, um, the uh, state legislature, which has been in session, the Texas state legislature, 
on on a couple of occasions, the the state legislature has addressed the issue or attempted to address the issue of the border crisis. And in every case, the the rank and file, every single uh, Texas uh, Democrat legislature has voted against it, claiming that it's a humanitarian issue that needs more money rather than law enforcement or uh, or any type of protection of the border. Uh, any ideas of, I mean, what are they talking about? What what more do they want us to do? Yeah, it's actually really sad that border security has gotten so polarized. There's always been, like, the fringes, if you will. But throughout my entire career, securing the border and simply making sure people come through our front door was, was a nonpartisan issue. Uh, Clinton really started a lot of the border security early in my career, and it was continually getting better and better until the Biden administration came along. And I don't, I don't really want to be partisan. I was never, a, 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 I was a government servant. I was never a political appointee. However, it seems like today that Democrats, other than maybe one in South Texas, just parrot this administration's talking points, regardless of how absurd that they are. This is not a humanitarian issue. This is, you know, they talk about it as a humanitarian. You've got to let everybody in. You've got to just open your borders. That is unsustainable. It didn't make sense to many of these same people a few years ago. But they just seem to be parroting the, the talking points of the far, far left, which has really taken over the Democratic Party. I mean, I, I hate to play politics, but that's just how it is. And it's just lacks common sense and reason. I mean, a hundred over 100,000 a month. I'm not sure how, I mean, that is going to be 1.2 million at least, 1.2 million in a year. I'm not sure how, you know, our country can sustain all of that. Uh, well, look yeah. at New York. I didn't mean to cut you off. No. Just look at New York. Look at look at uh, uh, Chicago. There's they have a very a fraction of what Texas <laughs> is dealing with. Exactly. And they're screaming. I was uh, I just testified before Congress a, a week ago, a uh, week and a half ago, and there was an individual from upstate New York, small town where New York City is trying to send these people, and we're still only talking about the immigration aspect and the social impacts. Everyone is refusing to talk about the fact that the 90% of fentanyl comes across the southwest border. The majority of cocaine, heroin, methamphetamines, all these narcotics are coming across the southwest border, and they're using this mass migration as cover. There were 98 people on the terrorist watch list, or 96, uh, already sacked up this last year. That means they probably didn't know we had information on them. How many more were in the gotaways? This is a national security threat to our country and we just keep talking about social impacts and immigration and we're ignoring the the immediate big 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 threats amen to that folks we've been speaking with our good friend mr rodney scott former border national border patrol chief and uh a fellow at the texas public policy foundation rodney thank you very very much for taking time as usual with us uh, we will uh, be in touch some more and continue to follow this crisis as it uh, unfolds on our borders here. My, my honor to do my part to share the truth, and thank you for doing the same. You take care. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Miss Irene Armendariz, and uh, Jackson, I can't forget her her uh, husband's name. No, hey, it's almost been 30 years. I've earned it. <laughs> yes. And uh, Irene is president of the Border Security Coalition in El Paso. And, um, of course, El Paso has been one of the hot spots, my friends, of uh, the border crossings, of the people coming across and claiming asylum, as well as, uh, well, just coming across, period. <laughs> and so yes, uh, yes. I wanted uh, to get her on and give us an update uh, on what has been happening since the uh, lifting of Title 42, which was a couple of weeks ago. So, Irene, thank you very much, as usual, for joining us. Uh, tell us, what's been going on in El Paso? How uh, has this been affected? Uh, what's going on? Well, basically, I think a lot of the people here in El Paso still ignore a lot of what has been happening. And even if we don't see the roads of illegals crossing over, they're already amongst our community in our community and uh, the in financial impact 
I don't think we've even begun to see that um, impact to our every household. Because, like, for example, last week, we had the representative here in El Paso bring $12 million of federal money, which... Let's get one thing straight. The federal government doesn't have any money. We're the source of the federal money. And so really bringing back our tax dollars back to El Paso. And it wasn't for American citizens. It was all for quality of life of illegals. Now, what I have found, and I just found this out a couple of days ago, is a lot of the housing, uh, Title Eight, you know, Section 8, the um Departments that have been designated for Section 8, they're actually pulling a lot of our American citizens and legal residents out of those apartments and putting illegals. And again, it's, it's a, I've been saying this, it seems like the illegals have more rights than the American citizens. I talked about the hospital issue. I talked about the fact that they're being put at the front of the line because the federal government is reimbursing them with our own tax dollars. What we have not stopped seeing is the illegals that are walking around aimlessly around our neighborhoods. It doesn't matter if you're in a in a low income neighborhood or in a gated community. You're going to see them close to that gated community, not at the doorstep of the low income community, at, like they we saw around the Catholic Church. But you still see them, and when I see them, I say them. I say predominantly men men of um, maybe 19 years old all the way to mid-30s. And that's never a good sign. They have, of course, they're very identifiable. I know people say, oh, look, it looks like a person walking down the street. You're racist because you're calling them illegal. They're very easily identified because, first of all, they have the different tattoos that are not normal here. And number two, um, they have a package that is given to them when they cross over illegally, and it's a yellow envelope or a plastic bag, and that's what identifies them. And I've seen them from my neighborhood, which is a middle-class neighborhood, all the way to around, of course, the Catholic Church that has uh, bec- become very uh, famous. When we say we don't have as many illegals at that church, I'm still we still see from 200 to 300 people. That's still a lot of people just sitting around doing nothing. What we know is aside from them being uh, placed in Section 8 housing, and just so you get a perspective, one of the buildings in downtown El Paso, which was a gas company many years ago, was remodeled a few years ago at the tune of $400,000 per apartment. Okay, I don't live in a $400,000 house, but low-income people were placed in this in this uh, building and those are the ones that are being pulled out to be and putting illegals into that um, complex. That's one of them. There's three others and so illegals are getting what American citizens are not getting at the cost of American citizens. The processing centers are still very overwhelmed and I don't think we're going to stop seeing that because some of the appointments that people are getting when they cross over is um, for two to three years from now. And so the problem here that I see mainly in El Paso is that we continue to be ignored by the powers that be. I'm talking about Washington. And I, I've said it in several interviews. I don't believe our immigration system is broken. I believe Washington is definitely broken. And so we keep getting ignored. I Just a few weeks ago, I think, uh, we saw that our Senator Ted Cruz went to the Valley and, and did a vi- some videos from there. But we haven't seen him come to El Paso. And that's I think that's the, the hardest thing for me as a conservative is to know that we're being ignored even by our own conservative leaders. One of the things that, uh, you know, that we've been talking about on on this program, on this show a lot, is what you're talking about exactly, the impact on communities. I mean, one thing right. is to watch the people crossing the river and either lining up and getting arrested or being processed. But another thing is when they actually arrive in your community, when they have an impact like, you know, the mayor in New York has been screaming that he has no more room or in uh, Chicago where they are being housed in police stations or Mm -hmm. uh, in other communities where they're ending up in in schools 
in uh, in in uh, being housed in schools. This is the second phase of the of the um, border crisis. Do you think that that your community leaders, your and the vast majority of your leaders of your elected officials, like Veronica Escobar, the congresswoman, woman, are liberal Democrats? Do you think that they are even focusing on that? Oh, not at all. As a matter of fact, you saw the county judge go before Congress about a month ago. Um, you can Google it and, and listen to what he testified. He uh, perjured himself. He com- spoke complete lies. And of course, at the end, he praised Veronica Escobar, which leads me to believe that it was her staff that actually wrote all of his uh, speeches that he gave before Congress. But see, that's the problem. And that's the brokenness, George, is that we have all these people that are in a position of authority and i'm not just talking about the democrats okay uh, that are in a position of authority and that have the power to solve these issues and they refuse to do anything uh with it we had how many hearings already and can you tell me what one good thing that came of it we heard them lie through their teeth and nobody has held them accountable yet he comes and i'm sitting in the in the uh, commissioner's court and he's talking about how concerned i posted that how concerned he was that we were not just handing over these people to their human traffickers then he gets before the u.s congress and he denies that we have a a crisis he denies that people are being are coming in and that they have provided the greatest uh, humane possible scenario for these illegals yet i heard him face to face say it in the commissioner's court that he's that we're not just handing them over to their human traffickers and there's there's actually um investigations that we're doing right now and it has to do with a sponsorship and it has to do with the catholic church and you're just going to have to invite me again george because (laughs) once we're ready to to have that information out in public but we do want to make sure that we verify that and it is a very um frightening scenario and if it turns out to be true it is probably one of the largest human trafficking organizations and the catholic church is involved in um what we've seen thus far and it's devastating that the union party in washington doesn't seem to care about it Amazing. It is really, really shocking. Now, uh, I remember, and uh, we have it documented somewhere, that um, Congresswoman Veronica Escobar, during the Trump administration, was actually sending members of her staff across the river to counsel people on what to say in order to get asylum. I mean, she was Absolutely. actually telling people across the river how to, uh, how to uh, spin a tale I won't say right. lie, but how to spin a tail so that they could get in uh, legally. I mean, what is wrong with that, uh, Congresswoman? Well, we already know what's wrong with her, but, you know, that's part of the issue. We keep getting ignored in El Paso. It's almost like the Republicans, the conservatives outside of El Paso have kind of sold El Paso and, and given us over to the enemy, which is the Democrats. And people like little people like me, uh, we're waking up and and making sure that we stay active. What I will say is that it is preposterous to think that somebody in Honduras woke up one day and said, well, you know, I've read the you know, United States immigration law, and I think that if I make it to the southern border, well, the northern border for them, the northern border, that if I get there and I claim asylum, they have to let me in. People are being coached, and they're not just being coached across the river. They're being coached thousands of miles into Latin America, not just Mexico. You cannot tell me that these people that don't even have an elementary education are uh, coming up with that loophole in our immigration uh, law. Another thing is... um, we have to be very aware to understand what the danger is of these men that are walking around in our communities because it's not just Venezuela but there is many countries and we've seen this before George, it would be naive for us to think that it wouldn't happen right now where many countries are opening their jails and letting out 
hardcore criminals and allowing them to come to the United States. Is that what we want roaming around our parks and our schools? At some point, we Americans have to say our priority is to keep our home, our children safe. Me as a grandma, I can tell you that I am very concerned about the what is coming, who is coming in. Because even though they all want to claim they're all innocent and they all want a better life, that is just not the truth. They come to see what they're getting for free and they're coming to take advantage of our system. And the Biden administration, along with every Democrat in Congress, has kind of laid us out in a, in a golden platter for them. And, that, and we have to make sure that we know who our representative is and we are constantly nagging them and make sure that we get involved in the election process. We are people of peace. And we have a beautiful paradigm in our Constitution. But you need to get involved. Don't expect and don't trust your elected officials to have your best interest at heart. Amen. Oh, I couldn't have said it better. Let me ask you just in concluding, in conclusion. Sure. The situation just seems to be getting worse with this administration. Uh, They were talking recently about sending troops to Panama to help the illegals cross through Panama safely. Uh, However, they don't say anything about keeping Americans safe from the cartels in Mexico. (laughs) Uh, Right, right. What? And and go ahead. ahead. You're talking about the cartels in Mexico. I've had three cousins killed in Ciudad Juarez, victims of the cartels. Oh, my gosh. Yes. What what do you think is, is the solution ultimately to all of this? I think we need people that uh, that really have the interest of the nation at heart and the safety of Americans. Our Constitution specifically says that the number one job of the government is to provide for the tranquility of its citizens. And I can guarantee you that nobody is tranquil right now. Until we Americans get involved in the electoral process and stop sending our money to entities like the um, NRCC, uh, to the parties, to the RNC, and we look and see who is our representative everybody that sends me a message and say what do you want me to do this is what I ask them first tell me who your representative is and unfortunately George from the 19 year old from Florida to the 82 year old from Idaho 99% of the people on our side don't even know who their representative is isn't that shameful? so then I that's it, it's shameful it's shameful we talk about educating the left yet our side is very ignorant. And so then after that, I send them a link. I say, identify who your representative is. If they're Democrat, you know you won't, you don't want them in office. If they're Republican, you want to find out whether or not they are a rhino or they're a uh, patriot. And if they're not the person that you want to support, you call your local GOP and you start finding out who are the candidates that are challenging them in the primary. You pick your candidate, you call them, and you say, I want to talk, I want to block walk for you. I want to make phone calls and I'm donating five, 10, 15, $25 a month because politics has become a very lucrative uh, business and people that are not um, the favorites of these powers that be on our side are not going to have the money to be able to reach the, the, the masses. And so you, then you get involved and that's how we take our country back. We're not a people of uh, war. And there was, there's a famous saying by um, Payne that he said, I prefer to live in peace, but if there be war, let it be in my time so that my children may live in peace. And so we are people of peace, but we want to make sure that our children and the generations that come after us have the opportunity to live in a free state and a, um, a peaceful country, knowing that the government is not against them like this administration is against the citizens. You got it. Couldn't have said it more. Thank you. Thank you very, very much oh, for, my being, pleasure. for being my with pleasure. us again. Irene, we've been speaking with our good friend, Miss Irene Armendariz Jackson from El Paso. She is president of the Border Security Coalition. Stay safe, Irene, and we'll get you back on again so you can fill us in on what is going on in your backyard. Will do. God bless you and God bless America. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, thank you very much for being with us today 
Uh, let me, uh, first of all, begin by thanking our guests, uh, Jose Salazar from Laredo, uh, Rodney Scott, former Border Patrol Chief, National Border Patrol Chief, a uh, good friend, and uh, Miss Irene Armendariz-Jackson, another very dear friend uh, from El Paso. I want to thank them for taking time to be with us on our show today. Um, I really, really want to uh, also thank our sponsors. First of all, I want to thank uh, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR, who makes all of this very, very much possible. And uh, they uh, have done a great job of stepping up. Hopefully, we are doing a good job of helping to provide uh, news and information to you about what is going on at the border. Um, if you're interested, please uh, go to the FAIR website, Fair America, Fair, uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform uh, website, and uh, donate, support uh, the, uh, the, they are the, the foremost uh, organization, national organization, to defend the border, to talk about border security and controlled immigration. They are often accused, Fair is often accused by the liberals and the Democrats of being anti-immigrant, it is not true. It is not true. All of us, everyone on our show, including our sponsor, particularly our sponsor, we are not anti-immigrant. We are for immigration control. We cannot have a situation where the border is wide open and we don't know who is coming in, nor for what purpose, nor do we know how they're going to live in our country. We need controlled immigration, my friends where somebody that comes into our country is going to be beneficial to our society, to our nation. Just because they have a rough life doesn't mean that they have automatic uh, entrance into our country. Everybody's got it tough, my friends, all of us. We, have, we in the United States have a blessing of having born, been born into the United States, and we share that with others through foreign aid, through our uh, preaching of our lifestyle and economic lifestyle and, and Christian Judeo-Christian values. However, my friends, we just don't throw the door open and let anybody and everybody come in. That is dumb. Okay? So, we want, uh, please, please, please support uh, FAIR. Also, if you want to donate to us directly, you can donate uh, to our to the 501c3 uh He's Alive Ministries. You can send a tax-deductible uh, donation to uh, He's Alive Ministries at 6430 Green Apple Drive, San Antonio, Texas, 78233. Thank you very much once again, my friends. Till next week, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. <music>